0: Hello and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And with me this week is a man who probably should learn to ask questions before he agrees to do things. (laughs) From the podcast that goes snick, Jason Venable. How you doing, Jason? Good, Al. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm better than... Some people are. Hey,
1: I'll be your young owl eye uh, anytime.
0: <laughs> nice. Good one. As you might have noticed from the title of this episode, this is one of our supplemental episodes uh, where we are covering the appearances. Ow, of. Exactly. <laughs> it's a flashback, yeah. Where we're really covering the appearances of other characters who are important to Thanos and Adam. So right now we are still covering the appearances of death in the Marvel Universe. And what were you about to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, I, I said
1: Aflac. Oh. Supplemental. <laughs> sorry. Word, word association. No, um. that's true.
0: <laughs> now, up until now, just so everyone knows, up until now, I have been doing these on my own, but we're going to start having guests on them because, well, quite frankly, it was taking me way too long to do this on my own. I mean, the last one we did, I did, which was for, I think, Mystic Comics number eight, Took like a half, look like two weeks to do that twenty-one minute episode. That's way too long. <laughs> and considering that these are supposed to be my, you know, fill-in issues, they should not take as long or longer than the regular issue to do.
1: Because <laughs> then what's that's, the point? Yeah, what's it's just more fun with friends,
0: right? Exactly. What's the whole point? Of doing, that's one of my reasons for doing this podcast. Plus, it gives me more excuse to talk to more people. Right. So, like I said, we are still covering the appearances of Death in the Golden Age, and I know there's some contention about the first appearance of death i know some people say it's war as hell number nine except that issue came out after the captain marvel issues with thana by starlin so i don't really count that as the first but i'm still looking at the appearances of death in the golden age as you'll and as we'll see when we get to this this one it still feels like death but we'll talk about that when we get to it so yes we're talking about the death appearance in young allies number five and who are the Young Allies, you might ask? Well, they are a kid team from Marvel's Golden Age, made up, of of course, the two most famous kids that Marvel had, Bucky and Toro. In case anyone did not know this, of course, Bucky was Captain America's sidekick back then, and Toro was the Human Torch's sidekick. So just think, kid versions of the two of them. Right. <laughs> Especially and Toro. He, exactly. He literally He is really is just coach.
1: a miniature Human Torch.
0: <laughs> and in fact, when you see him without the... Tor- flame powers he just looks like looks like a miniature version of the torch with just dark hair <laughs> i mean he doesn't even look like a kid he looks just like they just shrunk a man right it's really weird <laughs> and then of course there are four other people in the young eyes helping who are don't have powers there is knuckles whose real name is hold on let me get to that where'd i have that here percival aloicious o'toole there is jeff there is washington jones and there is Henry. So they all, they all have some colorful nicknames as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean it goes with the whole kid gang thing like in the boy commandos or in the newsboy legion. You got the one that likes to use uh well, like in the newsboy legion, big words. Mm-hmm. Who likes to use a lot of big words, and that is Jeff. And Knuckles is of course the one that, you know, talks with the Brooklyn accent and likes to fight a lot. <laughs> And this one then has two others that, in the order we're going to go into them, of descending (laughs) acceptability. So, Henry is called Tubby. Uh Uh-huh. Because he's heavy. Right. Yay, that's nice of them. (laughs) Although, I will say this, at least now I have not read any other issues, but there did not seem to be too much of emphasis this issue at least of him going oh food
1: right right and, and so, to be fair because it won't be as kind to the last character but um, it wasn't a whole lot of fat shaming either I was just kind of oh I'm tubby I'm big I think it was one time where he runs out of breath
0: but other than that he's just kind of hanging around yeah and then there is well his real name will which was revealed later on and it was Washington Carver Jones. And so just so everyone knows, by the way, for the rest of the episode, when we discuss them, I think we should just use their real name. So let's call them Henry and and uh, Washington. Sure. But he is known at the time as Whitewash Jones. As, and yeah. He's basically drawn to look like, well, the whole minstrel caricature of African-Americans. So he has on what looks like a zoot suit with a giant hat. And his face is drawn a little bit. I mean, granted, the art here is very cartoony, especially if, like for instance the owl, right? Who is the villain? But I mean, his head is drawn like a little differently shaped, and he, the the giant lips. Like, yes. I mean, really, it's it's like no, 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 bad, bad,
1: bad, bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty rough, and then throwing whitewash on top of that. Yeah it negates any chance of oh it was just a different time we didn't know no no that that's pretty uh intentional
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's pretty bad i mean this is what they did back then but we don't have to like it right and for the record we don't (laughs) No just to be clear (laughs) yeah yeah no it's pretty bad I mean, I do reading of plenty of Golden Age stuff, but I don't know. I might have to skip Young Allies for the future, because the future, it's just like every page. I'm like, oh, God. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like plenty of older stuff. I watch plenty of older movies, but maybe the reason I, you know, but at least the ones I'm watching, at least it's not so bad. Like, I think when they get so bad, it's like, OK, I can't I can't deal with this. I can't just go. This was the time it was. and I just have to take a breath and deal with it. Right. Here, it's just like, no, just no. <laughs> so that's the characters anyway so hold on a second let's get a bit of synopsis for this and we're gonna get into this sounds good all right young allies comics number five horror in hollywood writer stan lee pencils don rico and al avison inker sid shores editor stan lee cover art alex schomberg cover dated september 1942 On sale date August 28th, 1942. Cover price, 10 cents. You can find this reprinted in Marvel Masterworks Golden Age Young Allies, volume two, and digitally on Comixology. In Nazi Germany, Adolf Hitler is furious at his previous attempts to demoralize American morale in his war efforts. So he calls his agent, the owl, to travel to America to see what can be done about this situation. The owl agrees to take the task and decides to direct his efforts to taking down America from within, starting with Hollywood. At that very moment, at the headquarters of the Sentinels of Liberty fan club, the Young Allies get a telegram from Hollywood. A director is interested in making a film about the adventures of the Young Allies, and has asked them to come to Hollywood to appear in the movie. With no money to make the trip, the Young Allies go to ask Captain America to borrow money. They run into Cap just as he has come to pay the boys a visit, and he agrees to give them the money. Not wishing to make Bucky believe that he owes him, Toro flies off to borrow money from the Human Torch instead. As the Young Allies buy train tickets to get to Hollywood, the Owl has already arrived and has begun plans to eliminate the boys at Colossal Studios, the studio making the Young Allies film. At the same time, Captain America meets with the Human Torch to discuss their latest mission for the government, to travel to California and attempt to stop a Japanese invasion of the United States. They leave by plane, marveling at what a coincidence it is, that they will be working so close to their young charges and the Allies. In Hollywood, the producer, H.G., is stressing out over star actor, Bruce Brent, not being on set. Brent arrives putting him slightly at ease. The young allies show up shortly after, and Henry trips over himself and causes a bit of a kerfuffle before introductions are met all around. H.G. tells the boys that they appear on the set first thing in the morning and gives them an invitation to explore the set. They run into the Owl and he tricks them into thinking he is an employee. However, they realize their error when he attempts to crush them by cutting loose the sandbag. Toro saves his friends from danger, but before they can act, the Owl releases a trap door that causes them to fall into a pit with an alligator. While Toro uses his flames to keep the creature at bay, the young allies manage to climb out of the pit while the Owl manages to escape. Elsewhere, Steve Rogers and the Human Torch meet with military officials and receive orders to scour the Californian coastline in search of the Japanese invaders. As they leave the office, a dagger hits the wall in front of them with a note attached. The note warns them that carrying out their mission will mean death. The next day, in Hollywood, the young allies are on set for their first scene in the movie based on them. However, when action is called, they suddenly duck when the camera begins firing bullets instead of taking film. Bucky rushes the cameraman and tackles him, but finds him dead with a knife in his back. He finds a note attached from the owl, mocking them. The boys decide to go back to their dressing room to think things over, when HG stops them and tells them that shooting is done for the day, and that tomorrow they will be filming on the beach, where they will be doing a scene where they are stopping an invasion of America from Japanese soldiers. The delay saves the boys' lives, as when they are about to enter their dressing room, a bomb inside goes off. Spotting the owl fleeing the scene, The young allies chase after him, into a room filled with prop torture devices. As they search for the Owl, Jeff gets distracted while examining an Iron Maiden and is caught by the Owl and placed in the trap. The young allies come to his rescue and have to let the Owl get away while they free Jeff from the Iron Maiden. Trying to catch up with the Owl, they run into HG, who has instead come to find them so he can introduce them to the rest of the cast. After being introduced to the cast, the young allies come to believe that one of them is really the Owl in disguise. Either the producer, Mr. Jeffrey, Bruce Brent, actress Miss Dawn, Beetle the cameraman, and Carnes, the man slated to pay the villain in the picture. That night, the owl places a crate in the truck that is supposed to move the young allies to their location. The next day, as the film convoy is traveling to the beach, the young allies find that one of the crates in their truck has been loaded with poisonous lizards. While Knuckles kicks them out of the truck, they then find that their driver has bailed out. The allies then manage to jump out of the truck before it can dive off a cliff. They are picked up by another truck and brought the rest of the way to the location. Elsewhere along the beach, Captain America and the Human Torch's search have yielded nothing. Suspecting that the trouble might include the young allies, they intuitively decide to check out the movie set and rush off to its location. That night, as the young allies sleep, the owl sneaks into their room and places a poisonous snake on Bucky's chest, warning him that if he moves, the snake will strike him and then leaves. Jeff wakes up from the snake's hissing sound and comes to Bucky's rescue, tossing it aside and killing it. When the Young Allies examine it, they find that it is a unique clay that is on it that is found in a nearby cave. They investigate the cave and come face to face with the owl once more. He causes an avalanche, trapping them all inside, and flees into the darkness. The Young Allies rush the Nazi spy and knock him off a cliff. But this is all according to his plan as the owl survives the fall and uses a secret tunnel to get the drop on the young allies. Splitting up into two groups, they begin exploring the caves for a way out. Henry and Knuckles overhear some men talking about an invasion of the United States and then tackle what they think are the men but turn out to be dummies. Meanwhile, Bucky, Toro, Washington, and Jeff are trapped by some Nazi spies and tossed down the same cliff that they had previously dropped the owl into. Down in the pit, they are told by the owl that there is only one way out, but he intends to burn them alive with a massive flame jet. As the other allies scramble to find the secret exit, Toro uses his flame powers to try and keep it away from his friends. When the owl attempts to shoot them, Toro launches some fireballs that send him fleeing. Unable to find the exit, Henry and Knuckles arrive at the foot of the cliff and use a rope to bring the others out. However, they have to leave Toro behind to continue fighting the flame jet, even though his powers are weak. They rush to the cave and shut off the control switch and save him in the nick of time. They manage to get him out of the cave and retire for the night. The next day, they prepare for the big fight scene in the film and are surprised when one of the actors in the bunch tries to kill Bucky with a real knife. Chasing after the bogus actor, they lose him in the crowd, but spot him again rushing into the cave. Following after him, they find Bruce Brent and presume he was the owl. They are once more to them face with the owl, who unleashes a lion upon them. When Toro attempts to use his flames, they are doused. However, the Owl becomes a target of rocks thrown by the boys, and he attempts to defend himself with his gun, shooting the lion dead instead. Chasing after the Owl, they lose him and run into Carnes and Miss Dawn. Carnes tells them that Brent has been murdered, pointing the boys back at square one and determining who the Owl really is. Before they can resume their search, HG calls everyone back to the set for the big action scene, when the soldiers invade the beach. As the boys begin the scene, they are shocked to find that these actors are not pulling their punches and are using live rounds. They soon realize that these are real soldiers participating in a real invasion. They are soon joined by Captain America and the Human Torch who lend a hand. Carnage reveals himself to be the Owl by attempting to blow the heroes up with a bomb. However, Cap fights it loose and throws it at the Japanese sub, blowing it up. While attempting to apprehend the Owl, he runs off a cliff to his seeming death. However, this hope is dashed when another knife is thrown with a note warning the young allies that the owl is still alive and may, as a master of disguise, attack them at any time, in any identity. Hey
2: Mike! Shaq, what? What are you doing in my house? I, I had a key made, but that's not important. Anyway, I just had a great idea for a trailer for that cute little network you do. The, the Fortress of bailey Podcasting Network? Yeah, that's the one. It's adorable. I love it. I mean, look at you, like, with the network and stuff. <sighs> Thanks, I, I I think. Anyway, you know how people sometimes advertise something by, like, being extreme and suggesting that you just might die if you don't buy, like, a particular product or something? Yeah, I, I believe those people are called sadists. Sadist. That's one way you could say it. Or guy with a marketing degree. Kind of the same thing. Anyway, we could record a promo where I ask you something like, Mike, do you know who didn't listen to the Fortress of Bailey 2 Podcasting Network? Who? Gwen Stacy. Really? You know who else didn't listen to it? (sighs) Who? Thomas and Martha Wayne. The Waynes. And Uncle Ben, not the Rice. Uncle Ben. And the entire planet of Krypton, except those that survived. What about Bucky or Jason Todd? Ooh, that's genius. Okay, we'll say they didn't listen, and then Superboy Prime punched a wall, and then they listened, and they were brought back to life. I guess we could also say that Aunt May subscribes and unsubscribes all the time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now you're catching on. I'm not doing that, Shag. I'm not going to suggest that people will die if they don't listen to the Fortress of bailey podcasting network, which hosts such shows as From Crisis to Crisis, Overlook Dark Knight, Views from the Long Box. It all comes back to Superman and Bailey's Batman podcast and that they can find the network at www.fortressofbailytude.com. Are you sure? I mean, I do have like a marketing degree and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty smart. No. Can I at least be in the trailer? Yes. The Fortress of Bailey podcasting network, the repository of podcasts produced and hosted or co-hosted by Michael Bailey. Head on over to www.fortressofbailytude.com to download the shows directly. You can also find a master feed of all shows by searching for Fortress of Tude Podcasting Network on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or you can subscribe to the shows individually. The Fortress of Bailitude podcasting network does not suggest that not listening to any of these shows will prove fatal, nor does it endorse surreptitiously making a key to a friend's house for the purposes of busting in and suggesting ideas for podcast trailers. Music in this trailer by Kevin McLeod.
0: All right, and we're back. So the story is called Horror in Hollywood, and so Hitler sends his decides he wants to ruin American morale, so he sends the owl. Now, my first question is this: Why the hell is he called the owl, other than the fact that he has giant glasses? Um, I mean, he looks more well, monkeyish to me because he has the
1: owl hairdo that they'll they'll swipe. Uh, from the Silver Age. Actually, you know, other other than the obvious I'm a German Nazi and the other Owl is not, there's actually quite a few similarities. Um, okay. He has sharp it's fingernails, cool. he has the hairdo, he has a green suit, he has a cape. I mean, those are all things that Leland we will have when he shows up. Um, yeah. and so it's interesting. Obviously not the same character, but no. very much visually some stuff that was like oh let's do a new owl and let's borrow this this and this but just you know let's let's not do the whole Nazi
0: Germany thing <laughs> yeah oh huh, I didn't okay okay I'll go with that because I'm looking at that going reading this going why is he the owl what this owl well, like does he have but I guess you're yeah. right there's some owl stuff
1: yeah I mean the, the 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 fingernails are like talons um I don't really get the fangs like I don't I mean owls typically don't have fangs but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a creepy. There's a creepy guy or guys, depending on how you read the last part of the story. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I will say the best he looks is on the title page.
0: Yeah, yeah. He does, and he looks the most owlish there. I think with the hair, definitely. He does have he has the owl, almost Wolverine like hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, going in like the first few pages, like the second, the page three. His first appearance, he looks like the way the way the panel looks, he looks like he's this short little thing. And then next thing you know, he's like this giant hulking. <laughs> and I'm like, how big is this guy? Right. Yeah, even from panel
1: to panel, right? Because when he comes in with the, uh, the terrible Nazi salute, he does. He looks like he's maybe two feet tall. And then yeah. the very next panel, he's a solid eight foot. So uh, who knows what's
0: going on? Yeah. It's like you, it's like what happened? Did you just change or something? I don't get it. <laughs> and the green thing goes from a clo- goes from a coat to a cloak.
1: Oh yeah, it is straight up like a sports coat in the first panel, isn't it? Okay.
0: Yeah, because you can see it's a sleeve. It's not like, a <laughs> it's not like a cape hanging over his arm. That's a sleeve, and how no, it's whole an And it's like no, it's a cape. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally like two
1: two totally different people, like. And then he does the whole, like, vampire thing with his cloak and the panel after that, where was giving him the side-eye.
0: Um, go quick, Von Snow. But anyway, so, we'll move on. Like I said, we're going to go through this quickly, because we don't need to go into depth on in this whole thing. So, is there as we go through, though, like, as we're skimming through panels, is there anything in, in that, like, stuck out to you that you just wanted to mention?
1: We already talked about how terrible it was that they named him Whitewash. Yeah. Um a couple of things, other th- I, these are not my preferred Captain America wings. I don't like the like stringy Oh yeah really looks, set off wings. I don't I don't like those. Um, it looks like an E with a long, uh-huh. with like a long thing on the bottom. <laughs> right? Captain America yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> and then uh they feed fire to a crocodile. If, if I get too far ahead, just slow me down. Um, Let's see if
0: there's anything I need to see. Um, blah blah blah. They're there. Oh yeah, here we go. The crocodile. Yeah. And that is a weird looking crocodile.
1: Oh, it's very strange. And the fact that they feed it or beat it by throwing a fireball in its mouth is is nuts. But this really is like it's almost like a Little Rascals episode. Where they they get in like pitfall after pitfall after pitfall. There's crocodiles, wizards, snakes, and lions. And
0: <laughs> just like, oh, I oh, know. Oh, this by the way, freaking nuts. The crocodile. I almost forgot. I did want to say something about the crocodile. Is it just me, or does it look like a person in a crocodile suit, like for totally a like from like a, Disney World? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a bit ba- like like a really like the lowest budget episode of Doctor Who from like the seventies <laughs> that they, or eighties you could think of. It's like just get in the suit. Just get in the right. Super Tiger yeah. Crocodile. Make crocodile or sounds. A croc
1: guy from the original Star Trek series. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, you're drawing this. Why does it look like a person in a, co- a bad oh, costume? Because even like, after they put the fireball in his mouth, he even stands up on his hind legs. And it's yeah. like, Graw! which doesn't just mean a crocodile I have a German accent.
0: He's like, yeah, I think so. rock. <laughs> like, great. German crocodile. How the hell that happened? <laughs> right. But yeah, it's just trap after trap after trap.
1: Then and, we start getting uh, notes with knives, yeah, like, thrown. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's like, what what is wrong with you? You're warning them that this is where this is where I am. Come get me, right?
1: It's like, oh, what's and wrong? He, and with he
0: signs you? them, "Death to America." <laughs> yeah. Oh, but speaking of that, that page with the uh, the one where he throws the warning to, to Cap in the torch in their... And Caps walking around in his army uniform with the pipe. Oh, uh,
1: yes. Classic golden age. Steve Rogers with his corn cob pipe.
0: Or Bruce Wayne with the pipe. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Everyone
1: had to have a pipe. Well, it's a sign of the times, right? It's just like in the early 90s when Gambit and Wolverine smoke cigarettes in every issue they're in. Right. True. It's just, you know, setting them, setting them apart. So some of the splash pages are nice. There's one with the owl like wringing his hands and some bats flying out of the shadow that looks pretty cool.
0: Wait, where's this one? Which page?
1: Uh, Digital copy is page 31.
0: Okay, hold on. Let me get back to that.
1: So it's like after they chase everyone through the caves and, and Knuckles has a good pitch where he throws a rock at the owl's head. And they're like, hey, nice pitch,
0: Knuckles. Oh, yeah. No, that's one of the two pages I really liked Uh huh let's use splash pages uh because it is a pretty cool look plus here's the nice thing you actually get washington fighting and you don't see his face so it doesn't ruin it (laughs) right he's punching a guy out and yeah and his
1: back's turned so there's no stereotype
0: and it's just the three it's just him and the two main heroes bucky and toro yeah, you know, the others don't get to be on the page. He does, and at least we don't see the caricature face. So, like, we can right. imagine he looks normal. So
1: these are these are Reed Richards has not invented unstable molecules yet. So whenever Toro flames off, he's just in boots and underwear. Uh, does his flame power keep him just preternaturally warm? Because I'm like uh, in the bottom of this dark, dank cave. I would think he'd be freezing his ass off, but
0: yeah. I would think so too. But then again, that flame thing keeps to go on and off as much as they need to. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean at one it run, point it runs out when the plot wants it to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean at one point <laughs> in the beginning it ran out right away. It's like you didn't even use it yet. How do you run out? <laughs> I thought about it really hard. It wore me out. I do like that part when they're in the cave and he's actually physically fighting the fire. I mean that's yeah. kind of cool. Like he's actually grabbing flames and pushing them back. That's that's just amusing but and kind of fun. And also, that's probably some of the best uh, flame
1: kid art in the in yeah. the issue as well. Uh, that one, like right, right under the panel of the three faces, He yep. looks he looks really good. Like it was yeah. really nice. So, who's this Don Rico guy that did the art in this? Do you know?
0: Uh, much not much about, about, him? about him. No. Plus, I've seen some stuff where it's either Don Rico or Al 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 Avison. So, well, are they interchangeable? I did the same guy? Uh, I don't know if they're the same person because I see both at least on Grad Com- Grand Comic Database they're both listed as pencillers. Oh, both- for this issue. Oh, yeah. okay. So- and Al Alvison is like the is a question mark, so it may or may not be him. Okay, interesting. But let's see horror and Hollywood. Hold on, we're on Mike's amazing word. Yeah, because according to Mike's amazing world, they credit just Al Abison, huh? Okay, as the artist, and he's done a lot of uh, stuff for Marvel back then. Like, we're talking stories, and he did the Tuck Caveboy story in Captain America Comics number two, Uh, the Wizard story from USA Comics one. Like, he has a whole bunch of things from that time period, from the early, from like 42, 43, 44, to like 49. Okay. That's what they've listed for him, all Marvel stuff, or Atlas at that point. Very interesting. And let's see, coming up soon is the other one I like, which is the other big splash page.
1: Is that the the one, the, the main point of the episode? yes okay I before we guessed. get to that there is okay. one one really terrible part where bucky they're fighting the uh, japanese soldiers and he talks about how they all look alike to him so you know oh, get on, yeah good on that
0: oh uh, yeah the japanese thing in there too we, like, right. okay let's see who else can we be racist towards
1: here <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so um the the death page is pretty awesome it does yes. let you know something that makes sense that that everybody is eventually death bottom. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Because poor Al is uh, <laughs> uh, that's quite a panel, but um, <laughs> but yeah. it does look pretty pretty great though, and, and he's this like ha ha ha. You've done your work well,
0: Al. <laughs> yeah. And this is something I've been saying this since we were doing these things is that maybe it's not officially the character of death but it basically is because the marvel death is almost like a villain you know marvel's death is very much into not just it's not just like the death from dc besides the fact that she's really cool right you know death is also just like look i'm just here to do a job you die you know you have a life you die i take care of you i take you after you're dead that's all marvel's death is like not enough people have died you need to go give me more people dead. I mean, that's the whole thing that starts Infinity Gauntlet. Right. Death brings back Thanos because she's like, hey, you know, not there's too many people alive now. Mm-hmm. We need to do something about it. So, like, this is a death that actively wants people dead. This is not just yeah. a death that's like, I'm part of the balance. This death is like, can I get me more? I yeah, want there's, more. There,
1: there's a literal bloodthirst to the character yeah. that is... So, uh,
0: it kind of fits with these appearances of death early on. It's like it's the same type of character still, just expanded on. Yeah. So I kind of find that entertaining. Like whether that was intentional or not, it works. Yeah. You know, it, no, it, it, it works. It it works the it was, like like oh. there's really nothing consistent. You could actually say, yes, all these deaths is the same death. Yeah, so, can be. Can be. I do like that. But of course, the, the, the end, you know, we get to the end, they beat the Japanese soldiers, and the owl falls off a cliff. Which we can barely see, because after okay. all of these ages of all these other things, we get the villain dying. And we, it's basically like from like a a long shot of like film, like 40 feet, 50 feet away. <laughs> right. Maybe further away, maybe like a mile away. Like all you see is a little silhouette falling. Right. But then you get a note that says, I'm still the owl. <laughs> or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm the <laughs> other owl. It's like besides the fact that like how many owls are there and i don't i don't think they ever come back but it's like wait so you your job was just to hang out and wait and if they die to run away <laughs> right. and just be like i'll take care of things don't worry but yeah yeah <laughs> like who's, ne- who's next in
1: line who's next in line for the owl? Do you have your knife and your note ready you just gotta you gotta be ready to go now what's up with that panel so not only are they terrible captain america wings they're in a different spot on his head every time. And there's yeah. one where it's straight up on the top of his head.
0: Yeah, oh, looking at that last page of the story, yeah, it's on the top of his head, and then it's, like, lower next panel. <laughs> right. Man,
1: 1942 had some lazy art. <laughs> now, to be
0: fair, they also were cranking these things out, probably. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, is, it, is this shield the wrong colors? It's blue. Like, it's like the circle is going from outside in. It's blue, white, red, white, and then the blue in the middle. Oh, I don't remember. Look like her. that? So I was, mean, although it is that way the whole time, it looks like.
1: Yeah. No, but now, modern days, there was red on the outside, isn't it? Yeah. In the last, okay. Because the
0: blue on the outside is just like, I can just tell, like, that's weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can tell why they make that change, if, if that's an actual change or if this is an error. I'm not sure. But the outside blue ring against his chest looks strange. Yeah. So you need the contrast of the red on the outside to go up against the rest of his suit. So it makes sense why they would have changed it. I'm trying to, now you got me curious. I'm going to look back. I also hate oh. the Golden Age Captain America where he only has the stripes on the front. I really don't
0: like that. By the way, I'm looking at some images of Captain America, like comic images, and it's the, the circles going from outside and in are red, white, red with the blue center. Okay. So they just changed up more
1: like the flag where yeah, the middle is like the, the patch
0: and then the red and whiter than just the stripes. Yeah. So still pretty much the same design. It's just the outer. It's just two rings of red instead of one ring of red and one blue. Okay. Before we finish off the episode, let's cover our feedback. So we are talking about feedback for episode 129, which was part three of our Infinity Wars coverage, Warped Sandwiches. And on Facebook, we got likes and shares from, well, I don't know, because once again, we're having issues with Facebook privacy settings. So, to you, Facebook. Twitter. We like Twitter, because we can see we got likes and retweets from Jeffrey Brown, parentheses, they slash them. Last Sons of Krypton, David Finn, Connor McKenna, Viet Huyn, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Adeline Rising Podcast, Spider Woman Daily by Spider Woman on April 21st, Capes and Lunatics, Tomas, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Ratelich Broadcasting, Into the Night, Comics in the Golden Age, Azrael Lathuli, and Tomes of Evil, a comic book villain podcast. Now don't forget, You can find me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast. That can be found in the Legion Substitute Podcaster's feed every Friday. We are talking about the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, L-E-G-I-O-N. Now, if you want to try and like and share the show, I would really appreciate it. A couple ways to do that. Well, first of all, go on Facebook. Hopefully it'll work for you. Who knows? But yeah, just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and we'll pop up. Uh, follow us on our Tumblr page, ResurrectionsAdamWarlock.tumblr.com, or on Twitter. You can follow us there at AdamThanosPod. And of course, you can always send an email, ResurrectionsPodcast at yahoo.com. In fact, we have an email to read right now from David Spafford, titled "Kang's Tangled Ancestry." Hi Al, heard you read my letter and questions about Kang's ancestry. Fantastic Four 273 is the issue you want. Nathaniel Richards was discovered in a parallel Earth where he'd been since a time travel experiment went wrong. He was living in a fortress and had married a local princess and had a son with her. At the end of the issue, we skip forward to the year 3000, and Byrne represents the origin of Rama Tutte from Fantastic Four 19, with him saying he discovered his ancestor had a time machine and discovered it in his ancestor's fortress, exactly the one Nathaniel Richards had been living in. He shapes the time machine into a sphinx, and the rest is literally history. So if we follow the implications here, Kang's ancestor is the boy that Nathaniel had with the princess. Later, in the 1990s, as you said, Nathaniel's working with the FF. In issue 395, during the tail end of the DeFalco-Ryan run, when Nathaniel explains how, following a time travel accident, he was once nursed back to health by a gypsy woman in Latveria, and he'd fallen in love with her. He said he was hunting for the child of that union. Of course, Sue imagines he's hinting about Doom, but it turns out to be Kristoff. Of course, a lot of it is insinuation, and it is never properly spelled out, but it did tally up of Kristoff in issue 410, remembering a story his mother told him about Mysterious Stranger. So like I said, if we accept that Kristoff is a son of Nathaniel Richards, then it does leave open a possibility of Kang being descended from both a Richards and a Doctor Doom because it doesn't actually spell out that Kang's ancestor is the baby from FF-273. Kang could possibly be descended from Kristoff. I'm one of a tiny minority who actually likes the Falco ryan run. It was back crazy, with ideas and concepts that fit in with that edgy and dark mood of the early 90s, but grounded wonderfully by Paul Ryan's clean and extremely un-90s art. Cheers, David. Alright, David, I didn't know about that, so that's interesting. So Nathaniel possibly could have two other children that we know of besides Reed. The one with the princess, who possibly is Kang's ancestor, and also the one who might be Kristoff, who also might be Kang's ancestor. I'll have to go look for those issues. That's interesting. Alright, one other thing before we get back to the end of the episode. Last month, we had two episodes out that were part of the Mary Marvel Marching Society crossover event. We were covering Axe of Vengeance, episode 130, We had John Wilson and Michael Kaiser from Make Others Marvel, and we were talking about the issues of Thor from Acts of Vengeance. And then Brian was here with us for episode 131, where we talked about Silver Surfer 33, Acts of Idiocy. And there were links in those episodes for all the other episodes that were part of the crossover. Now, the second episode came out on March 28th. There were a few episodes that came out in the end of the month, so obviously they weren't included in that. So the links for those are included in the notes this time. Check these last few ones out too, because you don't want to miss them. We are Venomaniacs is the Venom Site official podcast for all of your symbiote news, reviews, and point of
2: views about Venom-related comics, movies, television, animation, and merchandise. We are available on podbean Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you?
0: That was The Young Allies. Uh, Like we said, uh, there's some... (laughs) It's pretty cringy. There's a lot of cringe. Yeah, and it's also a story that's really weird and doesn't always make sense. I'm sorry, it doesn't
1: always make sense? Are there parts of it that do make sense? (laughs) Uh,
0: Somewhere. Something did. I might have missed it, but something did. Now... Because we have this whole thing, I just wanted to say real quick afterwards. I read just now, it's on Marvel Unlimited, the Young Allies 80th Anniversary Special, which came out in 2009. And in it, this kid, so that was at the time when Bucky was Captain America. Or, you know, Winter Soldier was Captain America. It starts with him at Arlington National Cemetery looking up a couple people, you know, that he knew back then. And he finds there's a there's like a small Young Allies Memorial, but only two of them are listed. And he finds the other two, which is Knuckles and Washington. Washington is visiting Knuckles in a hospital, and he tells them it's Bucky, and they talk. And we find out, for instance—and this is something that Marvel—I'm not sure if that was the first time Marvel established it, but it has been established in other places that a lot of the heroes in Marvel's Golden Age had, in-universe, had comics made about them as, like, propaganda. Mm -hmm. And— but because there were comics made about them the the things are not always accurate or even true so this is how they get around to saying like because they talk about the facts like they draw us like we were 12 or 10 but like they were all like somewhere between the ages of like 16 and 16 and 18 okay and also like uh henry you know aka tubby Like, they say, you know, he was never as... He was not as heavy as he was shown then. Like, he might have been a bit husky, but he was not as fat as they draw Tubby. And obviously, you know, we find out his real name is Washington Carver Jones. His friends call him Wash, short for Washington. Obviously, he wasn't thrilled with the way he was portrayed either in it. So, and they actually give him a good story. They actually have a good story with the actual characters in there. And it's a really nice thing with Bucky, like, reconnecting with friends who are like, two of them have passed away already, and the other two are of course in their like eighties at that point. But it's a really yes, nice uh, story. That's right looking.
1: now, uh Paulo Rivera does the art, so that's yeah. that's a nice plus as well. Yeah.
0: So like we get some nice, you know, it, so it kind of at least it helps a bit at least. They gave right. something, you know, they like they gave him some dignity. Some, some redemption. It, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, cool. and, and it was a nice story too. I like that one. That was a good story. That that one's a good story. Don't look for this one. <laughs> I, you know, now I know why Young Allies comics are not listed on Marvel Unlimited. <laughs> I don't. I wonder if they ever will be. Yeah, I don't
1: but, know. That's uh, there's some of the problematic Golden Age stuff is on there. Some of the old Captain America stuff is not not a whole lot nicer than this, but it's it's on there anyway.
0: Well, maybe so. it's because it's not every issue, right? And since he's a character, main character of the series, he's going to be in every issue, right? And that might be a problem. But the Young Allies <laughs> anniversary special is, so anyone wants to read anything about them, go read that, because it's a much better story.
1: Awesome. Oh, I'll put it on my read list.
0: Yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun read. Well, anything else you're thinking of about this?
1: Anything uh, else that know,
0: that's stuck at you? You're like, hey.
1: <laughs> the other thing I thought was kind of cool was in the there's a backup propaganda story about war stamps. Oh there's yeah. Kinda, there's kind of a cool panel of, of Hitler with like three like Nazi demon dogs, which feels like they would be in like a a Doom movie or something like that. But,
0: <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and I'm just realizing maybe this is why they had his name because Al Alfson is listed as the artist for this backup story. Yes, so he maybe is. he was only the artist for this story, not the other one. It looks different. It doesn't yeah. look the same. No, so maybe it is him because his cap is very weird. It's like <laughs> his head is like a cylinder in this yeah. long panel. Uh-huh.
1: It's like the, the predecessor of the leader. Yeah. You know.
0: It's really bizarre.
1: That is uh, nice and big. He's got a big old A on his head.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like the little the little advertisement. Marvel Comics, the royal family of famous names. Yeah, I forgot how much Golden Age the Vision predecessor it looks like Martian Manhunter. I forgot about that. Yeah, and then we the Human Torch, the Submariner, the Patriot, the Angel, Jimmy Jupiter, and Terry Vance. I'm like, who? <laughs> what is Jimmy Jupiter so surprised about? <laughs> I want to know. Look at that kid reading the comic. You know, the kid that have like, re- that's uh-huh. to like reading them. That a looks kind of evil. Yes, he does and he reminds me i mean i haven't read much of this but have you read anything about of miracle man not much no not much he looks like from what i remember seeing of it the the, the evil like the kid miracle man the one that becomes like evil in that oh. story
1: okay interesting kind of looks like him he looks like a he looks like the uh kid from a. Uh... oh crap um Damien, what movie? Omen from the Omen. Oh, yeah,
0: or uh, little Reggie, like, oh, evil, yeah. like Reggie from Archie. Yeah. He looks like you know, 12 year old Reggie. Yeah, like what... no matter what he's doing, he's still gonna be evil.
1: Oh, the golden age. Oh, yeah, and I even read Norman the Dormant. So, if you have anything to say about that, I
0: do get a chance to read that. Be yeah, so. on your own, and that's just weird. Like, it almost looks like some kind of
1: uh, Bailey,
0: something, yeah, yeah, but the art almost looks like some kind of like a uh, like bad computer animation, bad flash animation, or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of. It's really weird. But anyway, so that's Young Allies number five. We read it, so you don't have to. That's right. We took we took it for you. And anyone who wants Jason to be on their podcast in the future, I'm sorry, but he's now going to start a screening questionnaire. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: A, a rigorous approval process for sure.
0: <laughs> like I don't know if I want to be associated with this. Uh, let's see. What's what are you doing? Let me read it first and I'll get back to you.
1: <laughs> That's funny. No, it's, right. it's always, always a pleasure, Al. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Somebody had to do this with me.
0: <laughs> I was not doing this on my own.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Misery does love company.
0: So Jason, before we go, where would you like to tell people to find you?
1: Yeah, so um, I do have a show, the the Wolverine Podcast that goes nicked twitter is at Snitcast, so all my podcast stuff is there and also if you're interested you can follow along my various marvel reading projects um i have one that i do concurrent with my flashbacks and then i also have one that uh, for a 70s marvel stuff where i'm doing everything i can find so if you, that interests you you can check that out
0: yep and links will be in the show notes the nice thing about the Wolverine is that because you do those flashback ones, so you could be reading just new Wolverine stuff or you could just be reading your old, the old stuff. Yeah. And, we, and we it got doesn't it matter what you're for. You. for. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm so far backed up with new stuff. that so it's like, OK, at least I have all the flashback ones. I know these things. Right. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye, guys. free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. recording and I can still hear you. That's good. All right. All right. Give me a second. We'll start. Sounds good.